When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. From coast to coast, epic investors are doing the most. It's time for another epic field report. Okay, so on the phone, I have REI Ace clients, Jack and Josh from Fargo, North Dakota. They've been on the show before. They've been a part of field reports before, and we've got so many different uh, stories still to share with you. But uh, these guys just pulled a monster right out of their keisters, <laughs> and I wanted them to get on the, on the phone. I wanted to talk to them about it. So Jack and Josh, welcome back to the show. Thanks, up, man? Matt. Hey, you know, you call it fishing for leads. We call it ice fishing up here. Ice fishing, got it. <laughs> Appropriate. What is the weather there right now? Not, to, not too bad, actually. I think it's in the 20s. In so the 20s? It's on the ground, you know. Yeah, that's not too bad. <laughs> we get that maybe one day a decade here in Los Angeles. <laughs> anyway, so I saw your posting for Follow Through Friday. I wanted to bring you guys on, and uh, you guys are posting every single Friday. But uh, this one in particular caught my eyeball, so let's go ahead and look at it. December brings Josh and me our largest acquisition to date, $1.1 million. It's a mobile home park plus multifamily. Only bringing in 5% of your own cash for the down payment, seller carryback of the majority of the down payment, doubling your rental portfolio in just one deal, went from 35 lots plus 30 apartment units, adding $100,000 in equity and day one cash flow is $10,000 a month. Monster deal. Yeah, that one felt good. I can imagine. Yep. And I love you guys' pictures. You've got a new pose and a new picture with every time it's your, it's your title company. That's good. <laughs> that social proof. Got to have that social proof, baby. <laughs> Great. So how'd you find this deal? I know we're marketing for single family and this is not in that uh, class. So how did this one come about? This one was interesting because uh, our real estate agent brought it to us. He's kind of, you know, dabbling. He does a lot of residential, but also dabbling in commercial space as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he is, he's really uh, is very persistent and consistent in his efforts of notifying everyone about deals. So he knew that we could possibly make something work. So he brought it to our attention and mentioned it enough times where we finally, I, I, one day I just looked at Jack and said, all right, let's just sit down and analyze this. Seems way out of reach, but let's see how could it possibly work out. Let's figure out what we would pay if the numbers work as is. And if so, let's uh, you know try to push it forward. Why not? What's the worst that can happen, right? Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't happen and we're no worse off than we were. So he gave us all the brochures and, and information and the rent rolls and all the you know financials about the properties. We sat down, figured out it was a cash flowing beast. The only, the only question was how we're we going to generate, uh, you know, what amount of money would we have to bring into the deal? Mm-hmm. And he had mentioned, and what really caught my eye was that the seller was willing to carry back a portion. So that made it from seemingly impossible to possibly possible. 
mm-hmm. enough where we was, we were willing to at least uh, go take a look at the properties and put things on paper. Nice. So you put things on paper and how did you present your offer to the seller with this creative structure that you got? Well, and the other thing I should mention too, is we had just developed a new relationship with a lender and he was fairly hungry and really wanted to build his book. So we were able to, you know, utilize that same amount of motivation on the lender side. We ran the, the deal by the lender and said, if this could work out, we could come to a deal with the seller. Would you be willing to finance this and what percentage? So we basically got the lender to agree uh, to a verbal commitment of bringing in 75% loan to value. Then the seller, we told the seller, uh, we you know negotiated back and forth after seeing them and got him to carry back 20. So that was 95% of the deal was covered between the seller and the lender, nice. which less, left us with only having to bring in 5%, which is 55,000. Ah, sweet. Was the lender like a private lender or institutional a bank? Just a regular, just a bank, a local bank. Yep. Regular bank. Very yep. good. And they brought the money in on, mm-hmm. at the time of purchase too. So, you know, normally we do cash acquisitions and do cash out refis. So this is a little bit different as far as our normal business model. But we thought, hey, if there's a way to make it happen and all parties are pushing in the same direction, let's go for it. So sweet. We also, speed was kind of of the essence too. The, the seller was pretty motivated to get things happen, happening. Mm-hmm. So we had to engage a digital company, make sure they were able to pull this off as well. So once we kind of, and made all made certain all parties were able to pull this off and we were in agreement with the seller, then it was just a matter of executing. Nice. So this all came pretty much through relationships. So your realtor relationship, how did you find this person and how did you nurture that relationship? Well, we kind of got lucky. Uh, Lee is, is our go-to realtor here in town and, and he was somebody we met on like our very first deal. We've just established a relationship there and, and thankfully he's also an investor, so he kind of gets it. Mm-hmm. So when we submit profitable offers, especially those properties on the MLS, he isn't afraid to do that. Mm-hmm. And he's comfortable explaining to the receiving agent that we're investors and not to take it personal. And he's got a spiel <laughs> ready got for it. that. Nice. And he's um, very persistent too. And he, and he consistently presents us with things. And I think honestly, him badgering us about it four or five times. Finally, I said, all right, let's just sit down and look at this. And I give all credit to him as far as staying on us and mm-hmm. seeing that there was possibility there and, right. you know, making sure that the parties got together and then we just kind of took it from there. So. Got it. There's power in the, in the good relationships and the partnerships. Yeah. Then, then the lender, you said he was, he's just at a bank and, but you said he was hungry and knew how did you come across him? Yeah, that was funny because, uh, you know, when I was in my photography, stu- when I had my photography business, he was a client. I had done his newborn pictures a couple of times. So we had mm-hmm. a personal relationship and also my band had played at a party that him and his uh, lake neighbors put on every summer. So I-, I was chatting with him this summer and I said, what are you doing now? And he said, I work, I'm doing commercial banking. And I said, the light bulb, I think he could visibly see the light bulb above my head. And I said, we need to sit down and chat, you know, because we could probably throw you some business. We did a couple of cash out refis and then this was a, actually this is only our like second or third deal with them. So it was a pretty monster of a deal to be that early on in the process, but the numbers just worked for everybody. So it was that we were able to pull it together. Fantastic. So speaking of the numbers, you're, you're going to hold on to the property, right? This is yep, part of yep. your cash flow. Very good. And then uh, calculating the ROI for the first year, what do you guys have that at? Well, basically, you know, we figured 10 grand a month conservatively net cash flow. 
That's, that's net. 120. Yeah, that's net. Yeah, nice. it brings in up twenty six thousand in gross rents. So we're conservatively estimating ten thousand net. Um, you know, that's one hundred twenty thousand a year divided by the fifty five grand. I think that works out to be two hundred and fifty percent cash on cash return somewhere around there. That's yeah, good. we'll settle for that, right? <laughs> nice. And then you've got a hundred k in equity in there. Yeah, because it was appraised at one point two million. So that's actually one of the reasons why I think uh, we were able to get everybody on board and pull in the right direction because there was already that information available to us because he previously had a deal fall through. Yeah, he had some, uh, some buyers so, back out. So we had a very detailed appraisal already mm-hmm. set up and, and ready to go. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So what's your, your biggest lesson? This is a brand new asset class for you. Uh, I don't know where the lessons have learned. Maybe you got a couple of them. What's your biggest lesson learned in this transaction? I would say sit down and at least run the numbers. And if they don't work, figure out just like in a single family house, figure out what, where they would work and then offer that. I mean, or figure out and just at least throw it out there, take the swing. And there was a little bit of a mental hurdle there because you just think, well, if something he's asking 1.1 million, that's just unattainable. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, it's not, I mean, it, this is kind of a unicorn of a deal because the seller was willing to carry back 20% and the, you know, but it, if you don't ask, you'll never, it'll never be a yes. So we just said, well, we're going to at least sit down, run the numbers and, and move forward if they work and at least try. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I say there's a couple lessons. One was that it's, it was amazing to watch the power of the team pulling in the same direction. It mm-hmm. was uh, because we managed to basically close on this in a couple weeks, identified, offered, closed. I mean, um, very tight time frame for this size of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was amazing how quickly it came together when you have everybody on board. The other thing was, is that I think we're not going to be as shy of these because I, I believe that the carry back concept is a bit more prominent in these larger deals. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the current owner was just more willing to do that. I think that's going to be the case going forward on some of these larger deals. Nice. Well, you guys, we're we're approaching almost a, a year on our anniversary of working together. What have you found most impactful working with Epic? You know, it's funny that you mentioned the that we post every week mm-hmm. on the in the Facebook group. I mean, just the accountability factor is huge because if we don't have something to post, and I think it's only happened like two, maybe two or three times in the year, we're seriously disappointed and feel like we let ourselves down and, and failed as a business. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, how, how could a Facebook group, you know, make you feel that way? But it's just because we hold ourselves to that standard. It's like, well, we, we need to have something to show the efforts, the results of our efforts. And, you know, so that that alone, that accountability piece, for, for me, at least I know, and for Jack, is, is a huge part of it. That's great. Well, really appreciate you guys. It's been a pleasure working with you, and I'm looking forward to decades to come and us interacting like this. And thanks for sharing uh, all of your success and, and being so giving and gracious. We'll do it again soon, I am sure. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. So if you don't know Jack and Josh, they have their own podcast. You can go to Real Estate Investing Rookies or REI Rookies. REIRookies.com, yep. REIRookies.com. They've got a great show, so you can check them out over there as well. All right, guys. Well, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Keep doing what you're doing. And if you need anything, let me know, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, man. guys. Bye-bye. This is Terrio Media. Yo. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, homeboy, we got the cash flow. Uh, yeah.
What's up? Hello, and welcome to the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. Got a great show for you today. We meet here each and every week for great shows, just like the one you're going to have today. And we do this to help everyday people escape the rat race using real estate. So if this is your first time here, so glad you found us. If it is not, welcome back. And you can stay connected right here to the show by clicking the subscribe button to wherever you listen to your podcasts. And and I'm just grateful. Thank you for listening. And you can also stay connected with us on Instagram at Epic Real Estate and on YouTube by going to EpicREI.TV, where the video versions of the podcast are uploaded there every week, as well as a whole lot more. So today, got a great show, got a great guest. I mean, if if you have ever wanted to grow a successful real estate investing business using the power of technology systems and the internet, then our guest today is the one that you've been waiting for. He's well-versed in real estate websites and traffic that contain the essential elements, just required all the essential elements required for success as a real estate investor. And he was the first person to develop and perfect the concept of virtual real estate investing where you can do deals literally from your laptop from start to finish. He then streamlined his methods into a fully integrated system called virtual wholesaling. You heard of that before? The expression, it's now in the household lexicon of real estate investors, and it all started with him. So please help me welcome to the show, Mr. Chris Chico. Chris, welcome to the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. I have... uh... I drank like three cups of coffee just to be ready for this interview. So I hope that I have enough energy for you. Yeah. Every time I've met you, that's something I always thought. I wish you drank more coffee. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I, I, I'm working on a bustle from Amazon that will feed it right into my veins. I'll let you know how that works. Maybe you want a, a good review. Maybe you want to try it. Right. Right. We'll start what? Uh, vaping caffeine, maybe. Yes, that's right. I love the idea. I love yeah. the idea. I th- we look rather peculiar here on the screen, the, the two bald heads. It's like uh, someone has to, all right, let's, we'll move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Hey, Chris, I, I <laughs> for a while, we met in a mastermind group, and I remember we had a little breakout session. I never got to acknowledge you for this, and I just wanted to thank you for um, when you brought up the, uh, the whole idea of Montessori school for the kids. Oh, yes, right. I remember that. Yeah. And uh, I immediately went home and shared that with Mercedes, and we enrolled Mateo into Montessori school, and... The kid is so smart beyond his years. I just, I'm blown away of what he knows how to do. I, I, I swear I felt he was reading in a week. And uh, Oh, wow. I do remember our conversation. So he's been on, in Montessori ever since? Yeah. So he, we're probably going to switch him over to, to public or something like that next <laughs> year. But um, yeah, that's what, four or five years now he's been in. And uh, it's, I, I'm really blown away because he's much smarter at seven years old than I was. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm okay, glad so I was able to, I never got to help him. on that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Chris, uh, when we met, I, I knew you were kind of like a, a big guy in the in the virtual wholesaling world. That's what I had your name attached to. But I never met you before. I'd never talked to you about it. And we've still, to this day, we've never really talked about that. Um, tell me how that started and, and where, where the virtual wholesaling thing came into play. Well, this was back around, um, I think it was around 2004 or five. You know, we were doing deals here in the south floor of the market, doing well. Uh, mostly focused on direct mail. And however, though, you know, the market started to, to kind of slow down a little bit. 
And one of the things that I noticed is that even though our market has started to slow down because our market had had a tremendous you know, uptick in pricing, but there are a lot of other markets throughout the country that hadn't had that, that tremendous increase. And so I, I started to think about, well, gee, you know, these other areas, these other investors are, are doing deals and they're not having as hard of a time as I am and, and, and making deals work here in the South Florida area. And I started to think about, hey, is there any way for me to explore uh, doing what I'm doing here now, but maybe doing it in a completely different market? Mm-hmm. And um, it was interesting because during that time, right now we have a lot more tools available. You know, back then uh, we were, I was using direct mail, so I was able to get the mailing list the same as I was here in South Florida and was easily able to get it over there. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the challenges that I had was buyers. And with buyers, you know, uh, I figured out that, hey, I can go in and pull a list of the most recent absentee owner transactions in a particular area and then just send postcards to those people as well. Mm-hmm. Back then, we were, you know, so, so we were sending people back then to a website because back then hardly any real estate investors had a website. So I was using a squeeze page and et cetera. And, you know, back then things were a little bit more difficult. We didn't have Google Street View back then. So um, any, anytime we got a property in the contract, we had to go out and um, uh, get somebody on, on uh, Craigslist and pay them like 50 bucks to go out and take photos of the property. Right. Um, and that's how it all started. It started because of necessity. Uh, you know, the market wasn't doing that well here. And I, wanted, and I saw other real estate investors were doing just fine in other areas of the country. And, then, um, and that's how I got started with, with virtual wholesaling. Um, and, and I think that that's what a lot of people know me because that's what I started to, to teach. When I started to teach, I didn't set out to create a course or materials. I just really took at that time all the materials that I had, all the videos that I had that we were using internally, and I uploaded it to a website. Mm-hmm. And then I gave people access to that. And that's kind of how I got started in the, uh, you know, teaching other people how to do the same thing as well. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, it always seems like everything that we do that's exceptional or gets recognized was born out of necessity. And right. then when you start making a name for yourself, other people want to know how you did what you did. So then you start showing and it just kind of morphs it. I mean, I'm a total accidental guru myself. Like, it, well, this was not the plan. Right. Yes, <laughs> you know? exactly. Um, but cool. All right. So that brings me up to speed. So I know you're onto something really new um, right now that I think you kind of have an edge on that – that uh, what's the word I was I was looking for I was I was on a roll there. Um, you're always on the cutting edge as as long as I've known you, and you're onto something new with regard to Facebook and how you've been able to create motivated seller leads through Facebook, and where a lot of people have really struggled and flat out failed in trying to make that work. No one's really cracked the code, but I think uh, you're really onto something. So I wanted to bring you onto the show and have you share that with the people and and see what we can uh, what we can create together. <laughs> Yeah, now, you know, for me, the Facebook was born out of necessity uh, because, again. <laughs> yeah, again, again, born out of necessity. You know, I've always been known as a direct mail guy. So I was, you know, uh, early on in the process, you know, I, you know, was, uh, I'm very well known for creating a bunch of different postcards and different angles on postcards, You right. using 24 recorded messages and, and that worked well. Um, and what happened is that, um, you know, as everybody knows that that channel has become a lot more crowded and it, and it was taking a lot more money to find deals. And um, there's more and more of our sellers are online. You know, you know, I always kid around and, and say, you know, my mom and my mother-in-law now have phones with like Google and Facebook and, 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 and everything else that you, you need on the internet, which wasn't the case like, you know, five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. And so um, I started to think about, you know, hey, everybody's online. How can I get access to these people online? And I had contemplated doing pay-per-click, but you know, at the time I was contemplating paper click, which is last year. 
the cost per lead on pay-per-click and the cost per deal on pay-per-click was high. You know, a lot of the guys that I spoke with said, look, unless you got, you know, $7,000, $10,000 a month to really push on this and give it a go, then you're just wasting your time. And so for me, you know, uh, SEO was also something I had thought about, but SEO was more of a longer process. And so I was interested in, hey, is there a way for me to get sellers now? Now I have to wait a year or six months in order for my site to rank. And, um, and so I started that journey of learning Facebook. I started to really copy, um, you know, when you're starting out something brand new, you don't want to reinvent the wheel. So you start just looking at what everybody else is doing and trying to do the same thing. And, and that, you know, didn't work for me. You know, I started running Facebook ads. Um, and, uh, and in the end, you know, I, I took a step back and I said, okay, well, what is it that has worked for me in direct mail? You know, what approach and are there, is there a way for me to take the approach I was using in direct mail and take it into Facebook and maybe create a unique way of generating leads right through Facebook. Right. And that's what happened. And so what I want to do today, and I'm looking at my screen partly because I have some notes. I want to make sure I cover uh, what I'm going to cover, but I'm going to go through specifically my framework for using Facebook ads. Okay. And, you know, I've got people, I've got clients that were uh, doing direct mail, wasn't working. I have a client that I had uh, recently spoken to that was doing direct mail, wasn't working, and wasn't working to the point where they were actually almost contemplating leaving the business because they just weren't ma- being able to make it work. And all of a sudden now implementing Facebook ads, uh, their business is completely turned around. Like they're only doing Facebook ads. Um, and so what I'm going to share with you guys it's not theory. I mean, we, we run an agency. We have uh, lots of clients that we work with each and every single month. We have lots of students with tremendous results. So I'm going to walk you through, guys, the exact framework that I use and that if you were to follow this, then you, literally if you put an ad on Facebook this morning at 8 o'clock in the morning, you're going to have leads come in today. So it's not like, you know, hey, I'm going to spend money on Facebook over the next week or two weeks and hopefully I'll get some leads. It's No, it's, it's immediate. Um, and so I've broken it down to three different things. So the first thing uh, in terms of for us making Facebook work, and, and some of these are counterintuitive, is how are we going to come across to the sellers? So what I noticed is when I was doing Facebook ads, um, most of the people were advertising from their business page as their business. So if you have True Home Investors or We Buy Houses Cash, that was how you were showing up in the newsfeed. And again, some of these things that I came up with is just taking information from other uh, niches and other things I'm working on and applying it to real estate. And I noticed when we were running ads in the information marketing business that the ads always gave us better results if I advertised as me, Chris Chico, not as my company. And so then I took that approach and I applied it to the uh, Ross running Facebook ads. So instead of coming across as, hey, you know, rapid house offer, you know, and then me having, you know, pictures of houses and stock photo and everything else, then my approach is Chris buys houses. So for you, it'd be Matt buys houses. Right. And the image is you, your personal image. And on your business page, you're showing up uh, up at the top. Uh, you have pictures of your family. You have pictures of you. And so because at the end, you know, um, people do business with you because they know, like, and trust you. And it's always a personal relationship. You know, in our business, yes, you can go out and try to build a brand in a local marketplace. But at the end, people are doing business because of you, because of you as the individual. And so for us, that's how we come across when doing Facebook ads. And we've tested it. We've tested it. I just did another test just to make sure this was a couple of weeks ago. But we had a client run the same ads and he was running you know, his business page as a company. 
mm-hmm. and his business page as him, but you know, Franklin buys houses. And the cost per lead was more than half uh, less. Uh, excuse me, was uh, he, he had a lower cost per lead and more leads come in through the through the uh, through the pipeline by advertising as him personally. So that's the first layer of advice is that if you're going to do Facebook ads, do it as you do it as an individual. Matt buys houses. Chris buys houses. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was well, the first your, you set up your business page to look like a personal profile almost. Right. Because also, too, what happens is when people are flicking through the news feed, the minute they see an ad, they're just going to swipe right through it. But you're trying to come across so that they can at least, you know, just slow it down as they're flicking through their newsfeed because they don't, at first they, may, they don't know if it's an individual or if it's a company, you know, putting an advertisement. And mm-hmm. so that also helps in, in us getting their attention because, you know, Facebook, unlike Google PPC, where somebody's coming in and typing in sell my house fast, Facebook is more interruption marketing. So we do everything we can to, to kind of slow things down for them, look at the ad, and then for them to say, okay, you know what, maybe I might want to talk to this guy. Got so it. that was the first thing. So that's kind of our, our first pillar in terms of our approach uh, with regards to Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. Now, the second thing, is now targeting. So now let's say that you, I'm coming across this Chris buys houses. How am I going to target on Facebook? So one of the things that I see that I saw people do that I tested and did not work for me is people, number one, um, were targeting geographically over the entire area. So I'm in Miami. So in other words, I would say, hey, I'm going to target all of Miami. Now, when you do that, you're going to get an audience size of, especially my area, 500, 600, 700,000 people. So because of that, then you, you're forced to give Facebook some additional parameters. So now you start plugging in there, oh, I want somebody to be a homeowner. I want somebody who's likely to move. I want somebody who's visited Zillow and all these other things, and you put them in there. And I tried that, and it just didn't work at all. Right. Completely did not work at all. So what I ended up doing is I ended up then figuring out that targeting by zip code works best. So what we do is that we take, and similar as if you were going to go ahead and do a direct mail campaign. If you're going to do a direct mail campaign, you're going to go ahead and pull the list of buyers and you're going to figure out what are the top 10 zip codes that most of the transactions are happening. So then you take those zip codes and we're going to individually target those zip codes individually in Facebook. So that's our first layer of targeting. Now that gives us an audience of anywhere between, it depends on the area, but it could be anywhere from a low end of 10,000 people to a high end of 70 or 80,000 people, depending on the metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. Now, the second thing that we did that is a little bit counterintuitive is that we removed all of the targeting, uh, specific targeting that Facebook allows us. So the only targeting that we use is age. So we put in there 35 to 65 years old and, and then the zip code and we do nothing else in terms of targeting, which is counterintuitive to, again, what other people teach and what I, I did myself in the beginning, but then wasn't really getting anywhere with those results. Mm-hmm. But then now we're really zeroing in on, on, on that particular target area. And keep in mind is that the way Facebook works is it works geographically, but it works based on the location of the device at the time that the ads are being shown, meaning that if you happen to be from Florida and you happen to go into Texas and you're driving through that zip code, then Facebook will show the ad to you. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you live there. It means that your device is in that zip code, right? Now, if we're targeting by zip code, then um, 
one of the issues that I had is I was putting out ads that looked like, you know, hey, you know, your standard ads, you know, uh, stock photos of houses with, you know, hey, sell your house for cash. And, you know, the typical language of real estate investors. Mm -hmm. So I thought about the way that I was getting postcards to work when I was doing a lot of direct mail was to personalize the postcard as much as I could. So I would take the postcard, I would put the address of the seller, I would put the name of the seller, and I would put whatever else I can put in there to really make it specific. And so then that's what we did with the, that's what we do with the zip code ads. So when we write the copy for the zip code ads, number one, it's very conversational. It's not, hey, we sell your house for cash, you know, uh, repairs, you know, the whole typical investor spiel, right? So mm -hmm. our, our ads are very story-based. Hey, uh, my name is Chris, and I'm looking to buy a property in zip code 33147, and I'd love to know if you might be interested in selling your property. Um, I am, you know, I recently sold a few properties, and I need to buy a few, uh, need to buy something else. And so maybe I, I might be uh, someone for your property. I'm just kind of, I'm giving you a big picture, but that, right. that whole, the way that we're coming across is very personal. It's a very story-based. And the ad itself references that particular zip code as, uh, many times during the ad. Uh, the other thing is that the image, the image is 80% of the work in terms of, or getting somebody's attention on Facebook. So what we did is that, again, to further personalize the ad, um, rather than using stock photo, what we do is we take a, we go to Google Street View and we take a Google Street View of that particular neighborhood, right? As if you're driving by the street. And then we take, and I call, that's why I call it my digital bandit sign technique. Mm -hmm. So I put in a little yellow sign to the right of the ad that says, sell your, and it has whatever the zip code is, sell your 33147 zip code. Mm -hmm. And so then now that also further catches their attention. So if you think about it, you know, taking all that and putting it together, as opposed to them browsing through the newsfeed, seeing something that says, you know, hey, Houston home, Houston cash buyers, and then having just a stock photo and, you know, just your, your generic investor text. Right. They're seeing Chris buys houses. They're seeing an ad that's more story based. They're seeing the ad that specifically says the zip code. They're seeing an image that is of that particular area. They're seeing a sign on that image that says that particular zip code. So all of a sudden now it's very, very personalized. Mm -hmm. um, and so then now the, what we also, so, so that's one of the ways that uh, that's what's really worked well for us. And, and, and again, what we're doing is now because of that, now we're able to zero in on a tar target market and also keep our costs per lead down significantly. Mm -hmm. Now, so if we then start from the perspective of we're going to start advertising as Chris buys houses, we're going to really zero in on the zip codes. So then now the last layer is how is it that, um, how do we target? How, how much is the cost? So generally targeting that approach. Now, the couple of things, number one is our budget, uh, our budget is per zip code. So when you're advertising this way, then we have a budget of, it depends on the market, but generally between $15 to $20 a zip code. So if you're advertising three zip codes that day at $15 and you're spending $45 for the day. Right. Now, um, our, on average, um, uh, the, the kind of our benchmark is, is $35 a lead. Now, it depends on the market. If you're in a market like, say, San Francisco, you're going to pay more toward the $35 to $40 per lead on Facebook. In other markets, in smaller markets, we're about the $15 to $20 per lead, meaning somebody you know, raises their hand and, and says, yes, I'm interested in selling my house. And the mechanism for us, say we have the ad and it shows up on the newsfeed, 
instead of us sending them to a website. So that was the other test I ran. I said, okay, they click on the ad. Now they go to an external website. And a lot of vendors out there that uh, have websites, and I tried all of them, and I just wasn't getting anywhere. And so what we figured out and what works best for us and also makes it easier for people to implement is that we use Facebook's own internal lead forms. So Facebook has a, a lead form that the person clicks on the ad and our ad says, hey, click on the button and that way I can give you a quote on what I would offer you on your property. They click that on. They still stay within Facebook. So they're not leaving the Facebook ecosystem. Right then and there, as soon as it pops up, their name is pre-populated, their phone number is pre-populated, their email address is pre-populated, and then now all they have to do is type in their property address. And they hit the submit button. And as soon as they hit the submit button, then that lead gets sent to us. And you can send that a variety of different ways. Uh, we typically send it to our CRM. We send ourselves an email just as a secondary backup. And also we send ourselves a text message. And the reason we send our text message is that what we found um, when doing any sort of online lead advertisement, but for us, for Facebook, speed is very much very important. So the, what happens is the lead comes in. And again, you're not getting... 50 or 60 leads a day. If you think about it, um, you're getting, if you're advertising three zip codes, then that day you might get three to five leads. So you're not talking about tremendous volume of leads. Mm -hmm. So what will happen is that you get a text message from your lead. And, and what we do is that we immediately text message the, the, the person that has sent in the, uh, submitted the form. And we just say, um, hey, uh, this is Chris from Chris Buys Houses. When would be a good time for us to chat? Right now, regardless if they respond or not, we call them right away. Now, and, and the key thing is you want to text message them and call them from the same exact phone number. Because what happens is that from, for me especially, I get a lot of calls throughout the day. And they're nobody but robocalls. Some nice lady offered me refinancing or uh, something else, right, or car loan or whatever. So I'm very hesitant to pick up that phone. However, if, I get, if, if you text message a seller, now, that's, now they have a text message from you. There's a record, now there's a phone number there. Now you're calling them within a few minutes. There are double or triple, I mean, we get a lot more response in terms of them picking up the phone and us having a conversation. Worst case, they'll say, hey, um, give me a call later, et cetera. So, you know, for us, speed is key when implementing the strategy. Um, and, you know, the way at the end, the, the, our approach to Facebook is different conceptually from the way that Facebook wants to be worked. And by that, I mean that most people give Facebook demographic information and try to feed information into the system. And the best way I can describe the way we do Facebook ads, it's just like the regular old school bandit signs. If you're out putting up bandit signs, you go out and you put bandit signs in a particular zip code, they work great for the first three or four or five days. Eventually, it starts to decline. Why? Because the sign gets taken out. The bandit sign police comes out. So when that happens, what do you do? You go to another zip code, and you put more signs in there. Maybe you don't put any more signs here for a little bit because you want to let that thing rest for a week or so. Mm -hmm. The same thing happens here. Then, then when those die out, then you go back to that same zip code you were at, and now you're going to put some more signs, but you might do it a little bit different. You say, you know what, this time we're going to put some pink signs up because the last time you put up a yellow. So what we do is if we have a list of 15 zip codes, we're constantly rotating those zip codes mm -hmm. with different ads. So in other words, one ad might be a more personalized, hey, I'm looking to buy a house, whatever. Another one could be, hey, are you a landlord in zip code 33147 that are looking to sell your property? 
If that's the case, then we should talk because I'm interested in buying a property, et cetera. So, you know, it, it's a it's a process of it's a little bit counterintuitive because it's not a it's not a set it and forget it. It's not, hey, I'm going to put an ad on the whole county and then I'm going to just let it run for a month. And then, you know, I'm going to get a certain number of leads. If you do that and we've tried that, you're going to spend a lot of money per leads on Facebook. And in the end, you're going to say it's not going to work. And so, you know, our, the way we do it, um, our, our kind of our general guidelines are, you know, if you go in knowing that you're going to spend $35 a lead on average, and what we found is that generally it takes about, uh, it takes about 50 leads uh, to be able to get a viable deal. And the effectiveness of this working also very much depends on the strategy you're going to implement around what you do with the leads. And by that, I mean that um, if you are only, if you're in San Francisco and you're only focused on wholesaling and that is it. So you're looking for, you're always going to have a harder time there than if you are in a, a, maybe a less competitive market. Maybe you're doing wholesaling. Maybe you have a way to refer the leads to a realtor. Maybe you have a way to do some creative financing. You might close on a couple of deals. So the clients that we have, because we also, we teach people how to do this. We also have an agency. On the agency side, the people that we have stayed the longest with us are the ones that have those multiple strategies. But I think that's that's the case with any marketing medium that you're going right. to be using in today's market. The more avenues you have of, of making these deals work, the, the, the more the better ROI and the more you can sustain that particular marketing channel. You know, and we have a very small time window here, you and I here together. But in essence, I mean, I've just distilled the entire strategy from beginning to end in terms mm-hmm. of if, if you've done Facebook before, you can take my whatever, what, what information I just gave you now and you can run with it. Um, and that's a framework that we're using right now currently to generate deals and, and all of our clients are having amazing success with it. Awesome. That's great. Thank you for sharing. That was a bunch. Um, so, so the three pillars were to advertise personally. Right. Two is basically just target by zip code and age, leave all of the other um, classifications out that Facebook offers. Right. We found that to be, I concur <laughs> with that. And then what was the third thing? The third thing is just um, uh, the combination of personalized ad, meaning that personalize the ad to that zip code, personalize uh, yeah. the image to the zip code, all right, and, and, and also come across in a very conversational tone because right. you're trying to not come across like everybody else is coming across. Um, and so that's the second part. And also, too, um, from a mechanical perspective, uh, use Facebook's own internal lead form system in order to just have an easier time of collecting the leads and make it easier for the prospect too as well. Right. That's good. That's good. So, um, I don't know, give me, give me some results. Give me, give me a story on uh, some success stories and someone that was having a tough time with direct mail and, and what are they experiencing now? Well, I mean, uh, there was a, a gentleman that I interviewed, Dom uh, Summers, and uh, he was, you know, his story, there's two guys that I interviewed recently. One is Dom and Dom was doing direct mail. He was doing the typical absentee owner mailings and just wasn't, wasn't getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the last time I spoke with him was a couple of weeks ago when I did that interview uh, was that uh, I think he had about 70 or so thousand dollars in wholesale uh, deals um, uh, that, that he had uh, pending. Um, and, and that was from just maybe spending about $1,500 uh, or so, uh, a total of $2,000. I had another gentleman, James, who I interviewed, and he, he was doing direct mail. He's a, he's a competent guy. I mean, he used to be, uh, he used to work for Microsoft. So he knows what he's doing. He, he knows his way around the computer, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he was doing direct mail, and that started, to, um, that started to decline. Then he switched over to PPC. 
And now he was doing well with PPC for a bit, but then the cost per lead just started to continually increase. And then now, um, now he's only doing Facebook. That's his main strategy uh, for leads. Um, the last time I spoke with him, um, he had about 50 or so K uh, that he had pending in wholesale deals. Uh, and then uh, actually he had closed 50 K in, in wholesale deals. And then he had another 25 or so K pending from about a, um, I think that was his, his ad spend was a little bit higher, was about a $3,500 ad spend. Um, I have Franklin Cruz. Do you know who Franklin is? Yes, Recently. yes. Yeah, so he, I just got him started on Facebook ads, and now he's only doing that. Um, his first deal, he made, you know, now this is, again, you have ranges, right? So he got off on the right foot. He, he spent 300 bucks and made a deal that was, I think, $8,900 just for that first ad. And then now he is only focused on Facebook ads. Because uh, also, I'm a, I'm a fan of if you've got something that, that's working. And it could be Facebook. It could be maybe you're doing cold calling. Whatever you're doing, I think a lot of people don't double down. Like they go out and, oh, I got this working. It's working a little bit. Let me go out and implement these other three things, right? right? Mm-hmm. Versus if you just focus and, and, and go deep, then I, I think that most people listening could do that. Um, and that's my, my always recommendation. And so uh, for him, he's focusing on that. That's all he's focused on. That's his only source of lead generation. And, you know, I always say this, look, there's always, um, there's always layers, right? Meaning that, um, you know, the, the strategy that I outlined is a strategy that will get you leads at an economical, uh, get you up and running, will get you leads at an affordable cost. Um, but there's layers because you're familiar with Facebook and advertising on Facebook. You know, mm-hmm. that well goes like, you know, 10 feet deep, right, or more. Um, and so, you know, I'm not saying that it is um, it's with anything else, right? It's simple. I always give the analogy is it's simple, but it's also complicated underneath. You know, the whole example I always give is that I get in the car in the morning, I put the ignition in the car, and then I go, and I put it on drive, and I go. And it's a very simple process. However, if you lift the hood underneath, there's a lot of stuff that happens underneath the hood. And so, um, so, you know, I I could definitely, I mean, for me, it's it's just amazing how uh, the people that I've spoken with, um, and they're having great success where they were really um, having a difficult time before with other channels just because we were more crowded. And then now with Facebook ads, uh, they're just doing, you know, uh, they're, they're generating leads and, and, uh, and doing deals from it. Awesome. Have you found a particular type of market this works best in or is it pretty, you getting nice results across the board? Um, you know, I would say in general, it just um, the cost per lead and I think you have to go in it where if you're in a large metropolitan market like me, like in Miami, you've mm-hmm. got to go in thinking that, okay, the average cost per of $35, I've got to be willing to give Facebook at least 1500 minimum to really more than 2000 to 2500 in order to give it a chance. Mm-hmm. If you're in a much smaller market, then that number is more on the lower side. You know, I think in general, I think you have to go in thinking that I'm going to spend at least minimum a thousand, but really closer to 1500, 2000 mm-hmm. to really give this a go. Because otherwise then, yeah, you might get lucky. And, you know, Franklin really got lucky at the beginning. He had a couple of leads and he was able to slam one and get a deal, but that may not always be the case. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I always think about there's a fine line between possibility and probability. 
Is it possible that I can go and play the lotto today and win? It's possible, but it's not probable. So is it probable that you could spend 100 bucks on Facebook and get a deal and, and make 10K? It's possible, but the probability is that if you're more in the line of spending 1,500 to two grand, now you have a better chance. And again, provided that we're, and I, I'm giving you that number based on an average cost per lead of $35, right? So you're looking to generate you know, 50 to 75 leads. If you generate 50 to 75 leads, as long as you know how to talk to sellers, as long as you can do the rest of the uh, what happens after that, then you have a good chance of making it work. Right. Great. So, you know, even fifteen hundred. I mean, people are spending anywhere from four to six thousand dollars a deal, right. you know, from direct mail. So, I mean, this is like three times better. Well, right? you know, the, the, here's, that's an interesting point you made because the other thing I like about Facebook is that there's a couple of things. So number one, we also can generate buyers on Facebook. So buyers will cost us anywhere between $2 to $4 a mm-hmm. buyer lead. Right. But the nice thing about Facebook is that number one, the, with direct mail, if you're going to do, do a test in direct mail, you've got to push some mail out there. You've got to spend $1,500, you are going to drop two grand or whatever the number is. With Facebook, it's incremental spending. All you got to do is decide, you know, today I'm going to advertise on two zip codes and I'm going to go ahead and give it $15 or $20 and then you're going to produce leads today. If you produce leads today, then that gives you the confidence to say, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to go ahead and let those ads run. If it doesn't work, you can say, okay, well, let me try another zip code or let me see if I can, maybe I did something wrong or didn't approach it correctly, et cetera. But, you know, that's what the other things I like about Facebook is that um, you, when I say you're going to give Facebook 1500 or $2,000, you're not giving them that money at one time. You're just, you're spending incrementally and the only way you would get there to $2,000 is because you feel confident that, you know what, I'm continuing to generate leads. These are good leads and it's going in the direction that you want it to go. Right. If someone wanted to take this on and they were going to kind of do that that sort of micromanaging on a day-to-day basis like you just kind of explained, um, what are some things that they should look for in the sense that, oh, this is not working, not working at all. Um, I might not be good at this. I might want to get somebody else to do this for me. Well, I mean, I think uh, the, the biggest mistake I see people make is that if you do the ads correctly – you would start receiving ads. Now, first of all, when you launch the campaigns, you always launch them in the morning, right? So you're going to launch to say eight o'clock in the morning. At the end of the day, you should have leads. Number one, if you don't have leads at the end of the day, that there's something wrong there. So the other thing is, let's say we have people that will run the ads and will start to get leads and they get leads day two, day three, day four, but then now they start to fizzle out. And all of a sudden now, you know, they've gone a day or two days or, you know, without leads. If that happens, you need to pause the campaigns and you need to rebuild them because then what happens is that you might get good leads for three to four days and now you have a cost per lead of $15 a lead, but then you let that campaign run way too long, another four days without leads, thinking that you are going to get leads, but the campaign is stalled out and all of a sudden you doubled or tripled your cost per lead unnecessarily, whereas you should have just cut it off and then maybe just use another ad, rebuild the campaign and, and just pause it and unpause it, et cetera, um, and just rebuild another ad. So I think it's, it's the understanding of this is not a advertise on Facebook for a week or two weeks. And then after two weeks, and finally people will get to know you and they will submit their information. No, this is the, you advertise today, you get leads today. And if you don't, then you got a problem, right? Got it. Got it. Great. Thank you. You're so generous with your information, Chris. You had mentioned uh, the people that you mentioned the names you were talking about interview. Um, where are you interviewing them? Oh, this is on my YouTube channel. Oh, your YouTube channel. Okay. Yeah. And that's just Chris Chico? Yeah, you could just Google Chris Chico, I mean, uh, or, or, or go to YouTube and type in my name and then you'll be able to pull up my channel. 
And I've got other other video tutorials on Facebook ads as well there too as well, uh, along with a variety of different things too. Awesome. And then if uh, someone don't wanted to just skip all that and reach out to you directly, what would be the best way for them to do that? You know, the best way is just to, uh, again, uh, just go to chrischico.com. And uh, I do have a sample available of what one of my ads look like. When you go to the site, it'll be apparent to you that, hey, you can sign up to receive a, a copy of, of one of the ads that I run on Facebook. And we have some also additional training where everything that I discussed here, I discuss on that training a little bit deeper. And then I also show you screenshots. You get a chance to see me and the Facebook ads interface and walking you through, et cetera, um, and uh, showing you, you know, what it all looks like behind the scenes. Perfect. Well, it's been a pleasure, Chris. I'm, I'm out of time, but um, thank you for being here. And uh, let's come back. Let's do it again, reconvene. And, you know, as marketing is always changing. You're a brilliant marketer. I like to uh, stay up to date and stay in contact with marketers because we are marketers really before we're real estate investors. And so I think it's a key skill and a key thing to, for people to pay attention to. So let's do this again. Oh, perfect. Thank you for having me on. You bet, Chris. Yo. Take care. All right. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Huh. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, homeboy, we got the cash flow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.